Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy, the podcast that empowers you to transform life's challenges into opportunities for personal growth and healthier relationships. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. As experienced therapists with backgrounds in addressing trauma and mental health disorders, we believe there is hope and there certainly is healing. We've spent our lives supporting people through the ups and downs, and we want to share these insights with you. Together, we'll unravel the layers of personal growth healing from trauma, and building healthy relationships. Each week, we'll bring you engaging conversations, expert insights, and practical strategies to help you heal from the past, foster healthy communication, and develop enduring love. This podcast is your guide to transforming adversity into triumph, healing wounds and past trauma, gaining wisdom and insight, and creating meaningful, fulfilling connections. So if you're here to heal, to better understand yourself or your relationships, you're in the right place. So sit back, get comfortable, bring your trauma and your drama, and let's start healing. Welcome Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. We're excited to have you here with us today. So today, what we're going to be doing is starting a mini series on love languages. What we're going to do is an overview And then we're going to dive a little bit deeper into each one of the love languages in the rest of the episodes in this mini-series. So if you're not familiar with the five love languages, Dr. Gary Chapman has a book on it, but he also has a ton of books in this series. So they have the love languages for teenagers, the love languages for kids, the love languages for military spouses, the love language of apology, and really the original book, The Five Love Languages, It's this idea that each of us has a primary love language, and we all have a secondary love language as well. But the five love languages that he talks about is words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. So a lot of times you'll just hear that people say, I'm just not in love with my spouse anymore, or I just don't love them anymore. And so that's really how Dr. Gary Chapman began this study is he just went through piles and piles of notes from the years of seeing clients and really looking for when someone said, I'm just not in love with them anymore, what were they missing or what were they needing in that moment? And he broke it down into these five different languages. So a lot of times what happens is spouses feel like, I am just giving my all and I'm giving everything I have to him but it's just not enough. And when you talk to the spouse, they feel like the other person isn't even trying. And that's due to this idea of this love languages where they are both feeling like they're putting into the marriage, but they're not speaking the other person's language. And so it's not being registered as a loving act. Or like we talked about a long time ago, we talked about the love bank. They aren't depositing into their bank because the things that they're doing aren't really important to that person, or they're not registered as love. And I think a good explanation for this, Ruth, would be you're trying to deposit peso dollars into an American bank. You're trying to use the wrong currency. And when you try to use the wrong currency, it's not accepted. Now, a thing I think that's important to understand is that if you use the wrong love language with your partner, it's not that your efforts are worthless. They're still valuable. They're just less valuable. They don't carry the same type of weight as when you use your partner's actual love language. And so a lot of times couples will be talking and they'll say, well, you know, I uh, clean the house for you. 
And if that's not your partner's love language, they may say something like, well, I don't even care about that. And a lot of times people will say, I don't care about that, but they don't really mean I don't care at all. But when they say, I don't care about that, they mean like, that really doesn't matter that much to me. It's not that it's not important at all, but you doing that action, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of time, but that's not really the way to connect with me. That's not the thing that really matters or makes me feel really good when it's accomplished. Now, a part of it is if you want to clean the house for them and you want to do it because you're like, oh yeah, I care a lot about this and this will make them feel really loved at the end of the day. What that's probably saying a lot more about is that that's probably your love language. That's something that you want to show your partner love through, but you actually feel loved when they do that to you. And so a lot of times we can do our own love language for our partner, but then we're surprised when they don't receive that well, or when you're not getting recognized or validated for the effort that you put in. Yeah, it's kind of like thinking about the 80-20 rule, where if you're going to spend your time and your efforts and energy to loving your spouse, you want to do it where it yields 80% of the reward, not the 20%. You don't want to be spending 80% of your time and it only coming out where it's mattering to them 20% of the time. So you really want to make sure that you know your spouse's love language. That way, the things that you're doing really are making the biggest impact for them, which then impacts your relationship and impacts you. And so that's one of the key principles is when we talk about love languages, yes, we want you to know your own love language, but we never want to come into this space with this idea that I want them to understand my love language so they know how to serve me and they know how to love me. But really it's with the understanding that if both of you are working at learning the other person's love language and learning how to serve them and love them the best that you can, then both of you will be taken care of. And so when we talk about different personality types, when we talk about the love languages, yes, it's to know yourself better. And that is such a benefit. And there's so much insight that comes with that. But really a big piece of it is to Know your spouse better, know your kids better, know those around you, your friends, your family a lot better so that you can love them in the way that they need to be loved. And I think the important thing of what you're saying there, Ruth, is that when you're trying to learn your partner's love language, you have the ability to enact that. But when you learn your own love language, you don't have the ability to enact it. So you have the power to try to give to your partner. But if you're using it as a tool to try to press on your partner, see, you're not doing this right, you need to do it more like this, that's not going to be very helpful because you don't have the power to make them do it. Now, one thing I'm not saying is that you shouldn't even tell your partner what your love language is. No, that's not what I mean at all. I want you to tell your partner what your love language is. But you have power to enact change in your relationship by meeting your partner's love language, not by trying to make your partner meet your love language. Because the truth is we don't have the power to force our partner to do anything. So in this idea, in this context, when you understand their love language and you start meeting their needs in a better, more specific way, then a lot of times what happens then is that they feel more endeared towards you. And then even if they didn't want to before, it enhances their motivation to then want to start doing those things more for you. And so take the power where you have it, which is love your spouse in the way that you should. And then even if they don't start this process with you, they're more likely to jump on board once they've been loved. And another reason why these love languages matter is it helps to avoid misunderstandings because sometimes misaligned expressions of love can lead to these misunderstandings where you genuinely feel like you are pouring into your spouse, say 
you worked all day to clean the kitchen and make the house look nice. And when they get home, you're still kind of rushing around and doing all of these acts of service to serve them. And your spouse is just wanting you to sit next to them. Maybe their quality time, or maybe they just want you to rub their back, their physical touch. But at the end of the day, you feel exhausted because you're like, I just poured all my love. I just worked so hard and exhausted myself to serve them. And they didn't even notice because now all they want is a back rub or now they're just complaining about how I didn't spend time with them today. And so these expressions that you're doing, if they're misaligned, it's going to be frustrating for both of you because you just worked really, really hard to love your spouse, but now you feel underappreciated because they didn't acknowledge all that you've just done because they didn't necessarily see it as that expression of love. Because for them, they just wanted you to sit and spend time with them or talk to them or rub their back. And so although you genuinely work hard at filling their love bank, they're still being genuine when they feel like, man, I didn't get to sit down and spend time with them. So maybe you did all this stuff, but they didn't register it as that. And so now you both are frustrated and it can just really help with those miscommunications that happen. And I think the sad part about that is everyone was trying to do the right thing, but then you can still end up frustrated at the end of the day and still end up dissatisfied. That's why it's so important to know these love languages so that we're not miscommunicating, so that we are getting rewarded for our efforts because we do want to feel that, okay, I did a good job. Okay, my spouse appreciates my efforts. But a part of that is then being strategic and knowing where am I really placing my time and effort to. Another reason why this is so important is that it can really allow you to tailor your emotional support for your spouse in the way that they best need it. Say that they're going through a really hard time and their love language is acts of service, but you feel like, you know, I'm just going to sit next to her and I'm just going to rub her back. But if their love language is acts of service, while she's having this rough time, what might be helpful is to get up and take over some of the household duties that she normally does or to help with the kids and to give her these acts of service. So when we're struggling, knowing your spouse's love language will really help you to offer that additional support. Or if someone's love language is words of affirmation, it's important in those trying times to make sure that you ramp up those words of affirmation and you really offer that validation and support to them in the way that she or he needs it. Now, I do think that sometimes people have aversions to their spouse's love language. Like they really have a struggle with it. Like, oh, I really struggle with physical touch. And maybe you came from a family where that wasn't something or words of affirmation. Man, my family, they never said anything unless like they really, really did an unbelievable, amazing job. And so like now that they want this words of affirmation from me, it almost feels like they want a reward for hardly doing anything. And one of the things I would say that if your thought process on some of these things is coming out right now, where it's like, oh, I just really feel like I would struggle meeting my partner's love language, not because you're frustrated with them, but just because of some of your own aversions or difficulties. That's one thing where I'd say that that would probably require some individual work that would require really kind of diving into and understanding where that's coming from. And then getting some real solutions and getting some real changes and differences so that then you could be better able to then meet your partner's needs. And if that at all sounds like you, 
Ruth and I want to let you know that we have Coaching with Truth, which is our coaching program. And so if you're struggling in that area where you feel like, man, I just really don't feel like I could meet my partner's needs because of these internal struggles that I'm having, that's something that would definitely be good to target and to work on. We're going to have a link in our show notes below where you can schedule a meeting with us and then we can start working with you and then help you to get past that struggle. Yeah, and that's totally true. I see that often where sometimes your highest love language is your spouse's lowest love language or vice versa. And when you do it, it feels like a foreign language. So just know that sometimes if it doesn't come naturally to you or it's not your love language, that it does take intention. It does take work to really learn this new language. You know, maybe I could pick up a few words of another language, but I couldn't immediately start speaking it fluently and remembering it all the time. It would take practice and intention. And so both spouses need to know that. When the other person is working on this, you want to make sure you acknowledge that. And in whatever love language that they have, you encourage them when you see them doing something intentionally for you. And I think one area that I see this a lot is physical touch, where, like Tim was saying, maybe that is someone's strongest one, and then they come from a family where they don't touch, they don't hug, they don't kiss each other. They've never seen their parents do that. And so it's foreign to them. But part of this is knowing that it is a service to your spouse. It's not enough just to say, well, that's just not who I am. I'm just not like that. But this is how your spouse receives love. So take the time and take the effort to learn it. Whether it's scheduling in your phone or having alarms go off or whatever it takes for you to remember, it is important for you to practice this no matter how difficult it is in the beginning. Yeah, and I want to comment on that too. I think that's an important thing that you're saying there. Essentially, if you're saying, well, that's just not who I am, you're basically telling your partner, I will love you in word, but I will not love you in deed. And this is something I think is very important to understand is like telling your partner I love you is an important thing, but it pales in comparison to the action and showing your partner that you love them. And I think ultimately we all know why, and it's because action costs somebody something. But words don't cost us hardly anything. So if you really put your foot down and just say, no, I don't love that way, and that's not how I love, and that's just not me, then you're really restricting a major avenue to which your partner feels love and connected to you by not following through on what their love language is. And this applies to not only marriage relationships, but if you're single, this applies to you friendships. This applies to your parents, your coworkers. Granted, there's going to be different boundaries around that, but understanding this really does help us to love people around us better, regardless of the relationship. So in the show notes below, we're going to have a link to a love language test that you can take, and we would love for you to come on over to our Facebook group, and we're going to have a post asking what your love language is, and we'll also have the link over there as well. But please come over and share with us what your love language is, and One other thing that I wanted to say is that oftentimes people give love in the same way they like to receive love, but that's not always the case. So maybe somebody loves to give great gifts, but they feel uncomfortable or they don't like to get gifts because they know specifically what they like. Or somebody is so good at 
doing acts of service for others, but they don't necessarily like it when people help them or do acts of service for them. And so that's not always the case. So just kind of know that the way that you give love might be different than the way that you receive love the best, but it might also be the same. And as we break these out into the next couple episodes and we break down each love language, you're going to see that it's not just a matter of how we love that fills our love tank, but it's also understanding that there are things that we can do within each love language that can really damage your relationship and can really damage your connection that maybe for someone else with a different love language wouldn't affect them as much. So for example, when we talk about words of affirmation, knowing that words of affirmation definitely fill your love tank. But when you give critical words or are criticizing, those negative words damage that relationship so much more than maybe someone whose love language is physical touch. So that's something that we'll go through as we break all of this up. So go ahead and take that love language test and then join us over in the Facebook group. And we will meet you in the next episode where we're going to begin breaking down each of these love languages. So have a great day. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode and found it helpful. If so, would you take 30 seconds and share it with a friend? Also, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcast. It lights us up to know that this podcast is helping you. If you have any questions or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group. Just click the link in the description below. Although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. If you are struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or feeling hopeless or suicidal, you are not alone. Help is available. Please seek professional help or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988. Thank you again for joining us on Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. Remember, there's always hope and there's always help.